bow together and ask the Lord's blessing on the ministry of the Word this afternoon. Father, do help us as we come again to consider the Holy Scriptures and the doctrines that are contained within it. Help us to learn how to pray as we come to a conclusion now of the Lord's Prayer. I pray that you would make us a people of prayer. May this be true of us individually in our homes and as a congregation, that we would be people who come to you to speak to you in prayer in the way that Christ has taught us. Give us understanding, O Lord. Give us discipline. Give us the desire to come to you. May we be found faithful in these things. In Christ's name, amen. Baptist Catechism 113 asks, what do we pray for in the sixth petition? Uh, This is the sixth and final petition of the Lord's Prayer. In the sixth petition, which is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray that God would either keep us from being tempted to sin, or support and deliver us when we are tempted. And then, what does the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer teach us? That is question 114. And the answer is that the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, which is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, teacheth us to take encouragement and prayer from God only, and in our prayers to praise Him, ascribing kingdom, power, and glory to Him. And in testimony of our desire and assurance to be heard, we say, Amen. I would like to read John 17 to you this morning, a little bit longer text than what we customarily read on the Lord's Day afternoon. But I think it is a very encouraging text, a very helpful one to illustrate, especially question 113, the doctrines that are contained there. John 17, uh, here we find what is called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not, not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. I apologize for that alarm. That's what it was. I have an alarm set for the morning service and the afternoon service to tell me that service is supposed to start in seven minutes, and uh, we started early, so there it is. Um, I apologize for that. Isn't that John 17 passage marvelous? Um, complex, kind of, but if, if you were to sit down and to look at it, this is incredible. Such insights gained into the mind of Christ and into his understanding of the mission that the Father gave to him. Such insights into what that mission was. Uh, this is called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. You know, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer. We should not think that it is called the Lord's Prayer because it is the prayer that Jesus prayed. No, he did not pray the Lord's Prayer but he taught his disciples to pray this prayer. Uh, there are things in the Lord's Prayer that Christ could not pray. Specifically, he could not say, forgive me my debts, right? For he never sinned. Um, this is the Lord's Prayer that we have just read. That is to say, the prayer that Jesus prayed as he interceded on behalf of his people, given to him by the Father uh, before he went to the cross. That's all a side note there. It's a truly marvelous passage. Uh, this is the last Sunday of 2021. Can you believe it? All the years are kind of blending together. I don't know if it's because of the state that the world is in or because I'm getting a little bit older. I don't know. But this is the last Sunday of 2021. And you'll notice that we've come now to the end of our catechism. Our custom has been to progress through the Baptist catechism together as a church once every two years. And in this way, the essentials of the Christian faith are taught to our members, young and old, with some regularity. Uh, there has been some talk of teaching through another catechism in this way. Uh, sometimes the elders will discuss that. Uh, the other catechism that could be used by us is called the Orthodox Catechism. It is uh, the Baptist version of a better-known catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism. And who knows, we might come to study that catechism uh, someday. Uh, but our plan is to stick with this one. And so next Lord's Day, we will begin with question one of the Baptist Catechism uh, Lord willing. I, I'd like to do that uh, for a number of reasons, one of them being that I'd like to preach through the entirety of the Baptist Catechism. You'll remember that we started this custom of uh, meeting on the Lord's Day afternoon and to engage in catechetical preaching about a year and a half ago, so not a full two years ago. And so the first sermon I preached on the Catechism was number 33. And so we'll begin again, and I'll preach my way through uh, the doctrines of the Baptist Catechism uh, one more time. Uh, that is our plan, Lord willing. Questions 113 and 114 of our catechism deal with the last petition and the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. 
And by the way, don't you appreciate the way that our catechism concludes with this emphasis on prayer? Uh, sound biblical doctrine is laid down for us in the first third of the catechism, but I want you to notice here that the last two-thirds is especially practical. And yes, I do agree that all doctrine is practical, but I think you know what I mean. It is, questions 40, it is question 44 that asks, what is the duty which God re requires of man? So question 44, after having laid down sound doctrine in the first portion of the catechism, asks, okay, so what are we supposed to do? <laughs> what does God want us to do? And from that question onward, uh, we consider very carefully uh, the Ten Commandments, what they require and what they forbid. We find material on the ordinary means of grace, those things that we, that we are to engage in that God has given to us so that He might strengthen us by His grace. And then finally, we come to uh, this consideration of uh, the Lord's Prayer. It's question 105 that asks, what is prayer? And the answer is, prayer is an offering up of our desires to God by the assistance of the Holy Spirit for things agreeable to His will in the name of Christ, believing with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. And so I'm simply here trying to point out how practical our catechism is. Wonderfully rich doctrine, yes, but also the catechism is very concerned that we live the Christian life, that we live in obedience to God's commandments, that we engage in the ordinary means of grace, that we learn how to pray. And so this isn't just head knowledge that we are gaining here as we move through our catechism, but also heart knowledge and, and lifestyle knowledge as well. We are learning how to walk the walk of the Christian life as we move through this wonderful doctrine. So we have now come to the sixth and final petition of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Christ taught His disciples to pray. And I will remind you of the other petitions as we move through the teaching for today. The first petition is, Hallowed be your name. The second is your kingdom come. The third is your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The fourth, give us this day our daily bread. The fifth, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And now the sixth, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray this prayer, this sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, we are asking that God would either keep us from being tempted to sin or support and deliver us when we are tempted. We must see that the world is filled with temptation, brothers and sisters. One of the benefits of praying this prayer daily is that we are reminded of this reality. The world is filled with temptation. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we are reminded of the fact that there is a right way and there is a wrong way. There is a narrow path that leads to life. There is a broad path that leads to death and to destruction. We are reminded that we will often be tempted to stray from the right way. The world, that is to say, the sinful world and its ways, will tempt us. The evil one will seek to lead us away. This is why Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And our own flesh will often work against us too. Yes, those in Christ have been renewed by the Spirit, but we do also confess that corruptions remain within us. And so there are these three ways of temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we are 
We are reminded of the reality of temptation. And we are able to prepare ourselves to walk in a sober, clear-minded, and alert manner. I think oftentimes Christians stumble into sin because they simply are not alert. They're not clear-minded or sober. They, they enter into the day without praying as they should. And they enter into the day uh, perhaps with blinders on, therefore, to the temptations that surround them. But you'll notice that this prayer, the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, is no mere reminder. No, in the sixth petition, we also make an appeal to God, and we ask Him to lead us, not in the wrong way, but in the right way. It's not just a reminder. There's also also an appeal that is made to God. In the sixth petition, we are requesting that God, again, would keep us from being tempted to sin or that he would support and deliver us when we are tempted. Why the or? Why the or? Uh, Why not just, Lord, would you keep us from being tempted to sin? Why the or that he would support and deliver us when we are tempted? Uh, The answer is that sometimes the Lord's will is that we be tempted and that we be strengthened through the ordeal. I wonder if you can think of an example in the scriptures where God permitted a man to be tempted. Uh, Here I think of Christ in the wilderness. That's the illustration that immediately comes to my mind. Uh, We might even think of Adam a long time before him. But think of Christ in the wilderness. God did not keep Christ from temptation. What did he keep him? What did he keep him from? not the temptation, but he kept him through it. He, he kept him through the temptation. And we know, we, and we know that God does permit temptation uh, to strengthen, test, and prove those who are his. James speaks to this, saying, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. Such an important principle. God Himself cannot be tempted, and He tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And so what is James teaching us here? He actually says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. In this context, the trials are temptations. And so the Lord does sometimes permit us to be tempted so that we might stand up under the temptation and be strengthened and refined through them. And so our prayer is that God would either keep us from temptation or keep us through temptation. And you will notice that this is what Christ himself prayed for in the prayer of John 17, which I read earlier. He prayed that his disciples would be kept. Keep them, Lord. I've been with him, them, I've, I've, I've taught them, I've given them your word. I'm coming to you, Father. I, he's going to die, rise, and then ascend. But I'm praying, Father, that you would keep them. I've manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but to those you have given me, they are yours. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy, my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, 
just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Did you hear that? I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth, etc. So Jesus here is praying for his disciples. Uh, they will remain in the world as he ascends to the Father. And in the world they will experience trials and tribulations. They will experience temptations. And here Christ in his prayer to the Father is saying, keep these. Keep these. And so Jesus himself prayed for us that we would be kept. And he also taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here he was teaching us to pray that the Father would keep us. Now, please allow me to say just a few words about the conclusion to the Lord's Prayer, which is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One, this conclusion to the Lord's Prayer is almost certainly not a part of the original, but was added early in the history of the church as a way of, well, bringing the Lord's Prayer to a conclusion. You'll notice that the Lord's Prayer, as it was given to His disciples, concludes rather abruptly. I believe that this ending, this conclusion, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, was added by the early church as a way of rounding out the Lord's Prayer, bringing it to a, a nice conclusion. Uh, two, though this conclusion is not a part of the original, it is scriptural. I want you to listen to First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13, and, and just see if you can't hear this conclusion to the Lord's Prayer in these words. First Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your gl glorious name. So it seems to me and to many others that the Traditional ending added to the Lord's Prayer was drawn from this text. It is not a part of the original, but is certainly scriptural. It is biblical things that we are saying here. Three, though this portion of the Lord's Prayer is not a part of the original, the traditional ending does indeed teach us to take our encouragement in prayer from God only and in our prayers to praise Him, ascribing kingdom, power, and glory to Him. And in testimony of our desire and assurance to be heard, we say, Amen. Amen means truly, indeed, or let it be so. And so though this is not a part of the original, I do believe it is a beneficial conclusion to Lord's Prayer that has come to us through uh, the history of the church. What a wonderful conclusion to our catechism, brothers and sisters. Uh, we have been given rich instruction concerning our prayer life, and, and I think this is a wonderful way to, to end our study of this summary of the Christian faith. Uh, remember, we have been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ so that we might draw near to God. And how do we draw near to Him now? In many ways. But uh, the greatest way that we draw near to Him, I think, is, is in prayer, where we come and we lay our desires before His feet. He is our Father, and, he, and we are His children. And so we've been invited to do this very thing. Let's bow together now for a word of prayer, and we will sing again and then go to corporate prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this rich instruction. Again, I do ask that you would move us to pray. I pray that you would move us to pray individually, in families, as a congregation, 
so that we might walk carefully in this world by faith and not by sight. Father, do help, help us to be mindful of the temptation that is all around us. I do ask that you would keep us from being tempted, O Lord. Uh, and if we must be tempted, uh, I pray that you would keep us through it so that we would choose the right way over and over again so that we might know this, this way of life and of peace. Uh, we know that there is abundant life found in you, Christ Jesus. I pray that you would help us to walk in paths of righteousness for our good and for your namesake. And all of God's people say, Amen.